is Truth Talks. Welcome back, everyone, to the Truth Talks podcast. I'm your host, Buddy Boone. Uh, I left you on a cliffhanger last week. I know. But here's the second part of that conversation with me or myself and Matt talking about God and government. And uh, it gets better, obviously, uh, after last week. So please sit back, relax. If you have any questions, please give us a uh, drop us a line. Uh, the Truth Talks Podcast at gmail.com, or you can give us a call at uh, 612 88 Truth. Um, please visit our website at bellcroft.org, and we will, we're happy to hear from you and uh, discuss this. This is a, a great topic, especially in the time frame that we are now. Uh, many of you, uh, or maybe not many of you, actually probably watched the debates last night with the vice presidents. And uh, I must say that I am glad that God is in control and not anybody that's in government. <laughs> so here's the second part of the conversation. I uh, hope you enjoy. Give me, give me a specific example of where there's injustice in Bowie. Give me a specific example where you can point to and say, this is wrong. And I'll be the first one to go down there and point it out. I'll be the first one to go to City Hall or whatever and say, look, what's going on with this? This is wrong. Because as a pastor, I feel like that's part of my job in a community. The problem is nobody can ever do that. They speak in generalities because there are communities that have that. There are communities that are overlooked. Well, and and I got, I got something for you. And though. those community leaders need to stand up and yeah. and not, not, not uh, act as criminals, not burn down buildings, but they need to confront they need to confront the government and say, hey, what's the deal with this? There's nothing wrong with that. That's good. That's right. And the Bible talks about that. But the problem is today, everybody's talking in generalities and saying, oh, there's all this systemic racism. It's bad. It's bad. It's bad. And I always say, please show me. Give me an example. Mm -hmm. and, and no see, one does. Well, see, yeah, that's the thing. Um, one, uh, <laughs> and, and, and please keep in mind, um, the devil doesn't even an advocate. My my old, the pastor that married me in Beverly, his name is Charlie Brown. That's, that's, <laughs> the irony that his name is Charlie Brown is great. But great man. Uh, I still, I respect him. I, I love this, him and his, his wife. He's the one who married us, and he would always say, you know, people say, well, let me play devil's advocate. He's like, wait a minute. The devil does not need an advocate. <laughs> so I, would, I loved that. So, and he lived, he lived, uh, you know, in, in our neighborhood. So uh, uh, we, would, we would say, you know, look at this, Charlie Brown and Lucy are in the same neighborhood. Oh, uh, that's good. Yeah, they moved away, though. But, <laughs> but the, so I, I, I want to play quote-unquote devil's advocate and, and kind of give Go you this. It. So with this being the case, with you asking for it, mm -hmm. that shows one, and and I'm doing this, I'm doing this for our listeners because, you know, a lot of our listeners are uh, uh, less less melanated than me, Yeah, you know, uh, more more or less uh, uh, Matt Matt's uh, hue. So... <laughs> That's the best way to say it. So uh, I want you all to understand the 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 the, the argument. Sure. Um, the argument is is not a it's not a fair argument. I will say it that way. One, it's not a fair argument, uh, meaning that because of your hue, you're it's it's always uh, negative towards sure. uh, you know you. Sure. So because you are asking for yes. Uh, areas and and instances of injustice, 
that makes you privileged because you don't understand it. Sure. You have to be told these things. Sure. Now, the, the, here's the other side. Me, as a highly melanated, uh, uh, darker hue, yeah. then what we have to look at is, like, I am oppressed. Sure. Me being oppressed, meaning... Uh, I am like we, I was. I joked earlier. It's you know that th- my color is a blessing and a curse. You know that curse part is because of my hue. I get pulled over by the cops more. Sure. And my life is more in danger uh, from uh, a, a police officer than anything else. That is that is the um, that is that is the story that is being told to me, and sure. I, I'm supposed to embrace that. Exactly. So how can you answer that then since you are uh uh because of your hue you don't understand that that part or or you know that that racist you know so objectivity isn't isn't derived from experience okay that would be my first answer so the veracity of something wait wait hold on you're using too big too big no no i mean it's the clarity the objectivity the truthfulness Mm -hmm. of of the truthfulness of something is never derived from the experience of it. Okay. okay so, so I don't need to go stick my nose into a sewer pipe to know that it smells. <laughs> right. And I can look at it all day long, the vent pipe that comes off the roof. Right. So you're that, saying that. So I can look at it and tell you it's, that it's thing stinks. Yeah. And you're going to say, you have no idea. You never stuck your nose in it. I'm like, I don't have to stick my nose in it because I know how it works. And I know where it goes. And it stinks. But here's my response it's, to that, though. No, my, no, no, just go wait. Ahead, go ahead. So the, uh, so, so the truthfulness, the veracity of something is never driven by experience. So because somebody does or doesn't experience something, does not, does not either one or the other. If I don't experience, doesn't take away truthfulness. And if I do, doesn't establish truthfulness. Because your perception of the experience can be just as wrong as the person who's never experienced it. Okay. So experience is never, ever, ever, can never be foundation to veracity, to truthfulness. That's part of the lie of critical race theory. Right. And that's why they promote always a narrative rather than facts. They don't want they don't want to objectivity is a is a is one of the biggest issues for critical race theory, which undergirds this. And that's why you can't question it. You can't talk against it. You can't point out objective. They hate objectivity. That's why they love radical subjectivity, which is the narrative, the experience. That's what they love. So my first point would be whether I'm melanin or not or I've experienced or not is beside the point. It doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. So I go to the greater source of objectivity, which is the Bible, right? Mm-hmm. Which God, who knows everything, has already told us what's going on in these matters of injustice. And it has nothing to do with the color of your skin mm-hmm. because the color of your skin is just the color of your skin. We're all one race. And if we would get back to the biblical understanding that we're only one blood and that we all come from Adam and no matter what color, no matter what language, no matter what culture, we all come from the same source. That would eliminate three quarters of this. But again, nobody wants to do that because they want to talk about experience. That being the case, I would say let's go beyond the color of the skin. Let's go beyond the experience and let's go to the core of what's going on when, when a, uh, a group of people like the high melanin folk are at certain places and at certain times oppressed, which is a reality that no one can deny. What is going on in that moment? Is it really because of the color of their skin or is it because the evil in those oppressors? 
Is it an evil that only exists in those oppressors? Or does that evil also exist in the people who have the different skin tone? Or the oppressed. Or the oppressed. Mm -hmm. Is there really a difference? Are they both evil? Because if we get to the biblical core of what's going on, it's the reality of the fall. This is the sin of man fleshing itself out. Mm -hmm. And this thing is going to play out perfectly upon the planet as the oppressor becomes the oppressed, which is what's happening now, and the white man is being uh, castigated and thrown under the bus by the black man, who is now becoming the oppressor, and all it's showing, that's all it's showing is saying, they're no different. (laughs) They're no different. It's become the black KKK. It's no different. They're no different than than the original KKK. They're showing they have the same hatred. They will do the same exact thing. Why? Because they're identical. Because the heart is the same. It's like it's playing out before our eyes going, look and see. Okay, here, it's your turn. And you're going to do the same exact thing to these people. And so the issue isn't the color of skin. The issue is the heart. And so it has nothing to do with experience. It has everything to do with your spiritual condition. And therefore, I should expect oppression. I should expect injustice. I should expect people to be evil, right? Because this is life in the fall, right? There's ways to deal with it. Government has has established, and I try to go through those channels, but even then, I know it's imperfect. And part of it is just growing up and learning, this is life in a fallen world. This is how it works. This is why we want a Savior. This is why we want Christ to return. And uh, yeah, so... So let me... I want to make sure that you uh, are clear on what you just said, because what it sounded like you just said is that uh, uh, black people are evil. But you also said, and I want to make sure that this is very clear, that white people are evil, too. No, what I said was all people are evil. OK, I just want to make sure that that's what you were saying, because yep. I didn't want but people the problem to is, misconstrue that. The problem is, is that, the you know, the, I'm speaking in generalities now, but Black Lives Matter, for instance, are calling out white people or black people who side with white people, right? Mm-hmm. So it's, again, proving mm-hmm. they're contradicting their own system that has nothing to do with color of skin. Right. It, it's it's literally critical race theory. It's just oppression and oppressed. So if you're a black person who sidles with those who are white, you're part of the oppressor crowd now. So it has nothing to do with color of skin. Color of skin, I've said it from all along, is it's a smokescreen. Mm-hmm. It's always been a smokescreen. All it is, this is, I've said it from our pulpit, the whole black-white thing is is a farce. They know it. They use it to create emotional turmoil. Like It creates like a time bomb going off. Mm-hmm. But that's not the issue. They use it, though, to create that emotional intensity. But look what's happened, and it's proved. It's not a black-white thing. That's why they'll treat black police officers just as bad as they will a white person because mm-hmm. it has nothing to do with the color of skin. Right, it has everything to do with the class oppressed oppressor. So the issue isn't that; it's never been that. It's always been the heart of man, the man's heart. I don't care what color of skin he has. I don't care what nation he comes from. I don't care how old he is, young he is. His heart is absolutely, completely, utterly evil to the core. That's the issue, and the Bible says that, not me. And so the issue isn't experience. The issue isn't whether or not I've seen it. I felt it. I know it. The Bible declares it, and it's true. And, of course, we've all seen it. We all know it. We've all felt it because it's in our own hearts. Mm. And I'm in that category, right, mm-hmm. as you are, as we all are. So that's the issue. That will always be the issue, and the Bible's clear about that. So, 
Yeah, so um, again, so go back to the issue. The government was established because of that. Mm-hmm. And the issue is to restrain evil. And government imperfectly does that. And sometimes you have, many times, you have evil governments, right, that need to be dealt with, that need to be pointed out. And and uh, we, and history has done that. And it's interesting even to look at revolutions where that have happened. And uh, it's interesting to compare the French Revolution with the with the British or American Revolution or the revolution in other nations and which ones held God as the authority and which ones like the French Revolution who held man as the authority mm-hmm. and what happened in those, even in those uh, uh, revolutions, which is interesting. So, yeah, but um, yeah, that's the, but the evangelical call for the church to save the planet or save the world is is really missing the boat so it's a it's a universal call it's it seems to be like there's not just one or two churches that's doing this but there are multiple churches that are yelling this from the rooftops and in addition to that uh it's now spreading to um you know spreading to the the, i would what what some people consider the black church it's also spreading to other religions as well yeah and and the reason for that again go back it's because they don't understand government's place. Mm-hmm. They don't understand government's purpose. And they don't understand government's perversity. Yeah. They don't understand that government is, is is evil in that it's filled with evil men. Right. Right? So, therefore, it's going to have structures that are racist. It's going to have police brutality. You're always going to have this. That doesn't mean you let it go. No, you, you establish reform. You pursue reform in those things, right? But there's always going to be imperfections. There's always going to be evil. There's always going to be issues. And this is a side I haven't brought up. I'm talking about some tomorrow in my lesson on government. And that is this reality of Satan. What you talked about yesterday, because this will be out on Oh, Thursday. yeah, there you go. <laughs> but nobody, nobody ever wants to talk about the fact that we do have a ruler and a prince mm-hmm. who is the power over this world, mm-hmm. who has all governments under his authority. Lowercase a, there is a greater authority, God, who has, but Satan is in control, and you see this throughout Scripture. And again, nobody, nobody wants to talk about that, and everybody forgets about that. He, he, he's, he's got, he's got more going on than most people realize because mm-hmm. they don't know their Bible. Read it, see what he does, mm-hmm. and uh, but so that's a whole nother factor that's at play here. So again, the church, the church has a mission to do, and the Bible is clear, and their mission is not to save this world. This world is going to burn. This world is going to get worse and worse. This world is going to hell in a handbasket. The Bible makes that clear. History has proven that. That doesn't mean we, we, we don't help our brother, of course. It doesn't mean we don't vote, of course. It doesn't mean we don't strive to try to establish good governments. Of course we do. That's a, to me, that's a mute point. We do that. We're good citizens. We're commanded. We're commanded to be good to all people, especially the believers. So, right. so those things... To me, that's a smokescreen when people want to bring up that argument. Aren't you, don't you care about your the poor and the, and the downtrodden and the homeless? Of course, that's pure and undefiled religion. James mm-hmm. says, right? We do that. Mm-hmm. We we give. We establish. We we have a great uh, pregnancy clinic, and we're trying to help those. We have a we have a great homeless center. We're trying to help that. We have a great camp ministry trying to help those poor that can't even hear the gospel. We bring them in from D.C. trying to help with that. Of course, we do that. I mean, it's a no brainer. Why? 
because we've been changed by the gospel. Mm -hmm. It's the gospel that has transformed us, that gives us compassion for the loss, that gives us a desire for the loss, that gives us a, a desire to see our government do better. And therefore, we do those things, not as, as part of our mission, but as a result of our mission, we do that. And that's how it works. So the priority is the preaching and the spreading of the gospel across the globe, the edification of those whom God saved, the equipping of those whom God saved, and the enlisting them into... It, it, the enlisting, the, your, the, your, your, uh, your, your emotions <laughs> permitted are, are going all over the place. The enlisting of, <laughs> of those in government, and I, I, I'm, I'm, I am, as you can tell, pretty passionate about yeah, that. Yeah, he's he's so passionate, he's knocking, <laughs> knocking stuff over. And, uh, <laughs> Praise the Lord. Yeah. Well, I, I will say that the uh, the the amount of. Uh, the amount of, of 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 attention that has been on government right now uh, is just being exacerbated by the political yeah. race that's happening right now. Um, but the thing that I am very um, very sure of is that there is a excuse me <laughs> there is a contingency of people that and, and I don't. I don't so many times I've heard this and it and it so irritates me and we talked about this last time that people are just like this is the most important election of our lifetime oh, it's yeah. ever and I'm like it's, it's no the 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 most important election is Christ electing us yes. that's that's the Amen. most important election that has ever been it, it, but the reason why they're doing this is because of this idea and uh not idea but the let me give it to you in, Go one, ahead. in one word. Go ahead. Utopia. Yeah. That's the issue. Yeah. Do you have a worldview that says this world is going to become utopia if we only work hard? That is what drives everything behind politics and government from an unbiblical perspective. It's utopia. Well, let's 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 explain that because I so, I, I understand what it means. So utopia basically means a world without problems. It okay. means perfect peace. It means perfect justice. It means cosmic uh, cleanliness. It means no more poverty. No more all these things. Mm -hmm. Which again, the idea, the desire is good. Right? We should all want that. Right? We should all desire that. We should all in our hearts have a have a have a sense of hatred for poverty hatred for sickness hatred for evil hatred for injustice if you don't you're not human mm -hmm. right you should you should desire that and that comes from god it's part of the image of god wanting those things to be right it's why christ heals the deaf and uh, mute man and what does he do he sighs deeply part of that sighs this is not right this is why i came to earth to do away with these sicknesses do mm -hmm. away with these maladies right because why? They're a byproduct of the fall. All of that, all poverty, all sickness, all evil, all all natural and moral evil. Both the 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 tree that rots because of the termites that kill it and falls over, that's a natural evil, just as well as the rapist who does what he does. That's moral evil. It's all a byproduct of the fall. All of that. Death and decay on even the natural level is 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 uh, evil in its natural sense, which creates the tornadoes and the thunderstorms, which create all the, the the burning of the of the forest in California. All of that, we should hate that. But at the same time, the biblical worldview knows there is no utopia on this planet. 
There's absolutely never going to be utopia. There's never going to be a perfect king. This was Israel's problem, right? We just need a king. We need a king. We need a king. No, you got one. Follow God. Yeah. And what did they get when they when they got their king? Disaster. Mm-hmm. Death. Taxes. Yeah. And Samuel told them. Samuel said, look, you get a king. Here's what he's going to do. He's going to take all your young men, put them to war, and he's going to tax you like crazy. And that's exactly what happened. And death came. And money was spent out. I mean, that's that's how it works. Rather than just just voluntarily cooperate with your God and let him be your king. But the reality is man doesn't do that. But one day we will. One day the king will return, and he will establish his kingdom, and it'll be one kingdom with one king mm-hmm. upon the earth, and there he will eradicate all sickness, eradicate all evil, and that will be a glorious day. But not until, as Isaiah 9 says, till the government is upon his shoulders, and he is what? The prince of peace. He is the mighty God, the everlasting father. He will bring complete and utter peace, but not until then. We know that. Therefore, any idea that I can bring the end of all these things or any president can bring that is utter lunacy. It's laughable. It's not going to happen. I want a president and a governor and a politician whether it's House or Senate, I want them to work towards those things. Of course, we can do better against poverty, racism, and, and sicknesses. Of course we can. And that's, those are admirable things, and that's part of their job of establishing a platform of prosperity so that the gospel can go out and mankind can flourish. Great. We want to do that. We should do that. We should help with that. But at the end of the day, I know it's going to be imperfect. I know it's going to be flawed. I know there's going to be corruption. I know there's going to be issues, and our framers knew it too. <laughs> and that's why, from the very beginning, they said, yep, we need to have three, three, uh, mm-hmm. three aspects to our government yep. so that they provide an accountability towards one yep. another. Because why? why? What was the underlining fact? Because they knew that man is corrupt. Mm-hmm. Exactly what the Bible taught, they they understood, some of them biblically, others them just intuitively, they understood that. And it's like, we have forgotten it. We have forgotten it. And it's like, no, no, that, whether it's President Biden, President Trump, or President Obama, or whoever it is you want or, or, or like, he's got a problem internally. It's his heart. He's mm-hmm. not going to be a perfect president because there is none. And he's not going to do what he ultimately needs to do in the end because his heart is bent towards self. And every single person, I see it right now, everybody's wanting like, like we get the uh, Supreme Court justice, right? And the tide turns and it goes to more conservative. And if we could only have uh, President uh, Trump get elected and then we win back the House and then we win back the Senate and then we'll have it. Mm-hmm. Let me tell you what you'll have. You'll have more corruption than you can even put up with. Yeah. Because it doesn't matter what party gets in there. They're, listen, it's filled with corrupt people. They will use it to their own gain. That's reality. Could they do good? Absolutely. Would they do good if that happens? I'm sure in God's providence, good would come. But in the end, you'll watch corruption come out and manipulation for own purposes. And uh, absolutely, it's yeah, it's not what people think. And so utopian, utopianism or Messiah mentality that this president, this governor, this politician is going to save us is all anti-Christ, anti-God, and that is modern-day politics. And I'm going to add to that, and I want you to further explain this whole concept, because what's happening is, uh, you know, 
President Trump has been nominated a third time for the Nobel Peace Prize. <laughs> now, I will say this uh, in a in a very um, in, in a very real and direct way. Um, there are definitely people that I have seen and heard that yeah. believe that President Trump needs to be reelected because of the fact that he will, you know, in that in, in that sense, the utopia or what I what I've uh, listened to heard is the age of Aquarius the, yes. to, to usher in the age of Aquarius. Sure. And part of that is because of the fact that he has um, put us steps closer to peace in Israel. Yeah. So. um the church is the one that's pushing this narrative um, because the church wants to, you know, it's, it's like, well, you know, this, you, you're always in, in good. You always, whenever you have a, a president who is, who is a, a friend of Israel, that is, you know, part of like the, the, the greatness of our country and, and why our country is so successful and, you know, all these types of things. Yeah. Um, what part does Israel play in that whole, uh, in this whole ideology and, also, uh, you know, the 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 reasoning behind us wanting to or people wanting to you know, reelect him literally because of the fact that they want to have more peace in Israel. Well, yeah, I think the Bible is clear, right? Um, we're called, we're commanded to pray for the peace of Israel. We're mm-hmm. commanded to um, we're commanded to uh, not just for Israel, but for all men. Again, mm-hmm. that's the part that that's that's missing. And there's a Israel plays a big part in God's eternal plan. Mm-hmm. But, and this is where, uh, this is, this is where, um, an overrealized eschatology gets you in trouble. So, so much of what we're watching happen, even in the church where they're calling for the government and, and really, I think having an overrealized eschatology, meaning, meaning they're viewing the, the church's role and the government's role from an eschatological perspective, thinking that the church with the government ushers in the kingdom of God. So the government then establishes peace, establishes all these things, and then Christ returns. Um, I, I hate to be so crass, but you can't find that in the Bible. What you find is directly opposite, that the world gets worse and worse, and then Christ returns, right? That's what the Bible teaches. So this idea of post-millennialism or, or anything that's shaped after it, that as the gospel spreads and the governments get better, and all these things will happen, then Christ will come, will usher in the kingdom. There's an evangelical side to that, which is post-millennialism, but there's also a scary charismatic side, which is dominion theology, which mm-hmm. is part of the uh, new... Uh, uh, NAR. Yeah, the new apostolic reformation. And, 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 and while they're two different eschatological positions, they have similarities that are quite yeah, scary. Definitely. And uh, so, But the Bible doesn't teach that. The Bible, and of course, history itself shows we've been we've been on Earth long enough to, to know it's not going to get better, right? And anybody that thinks that is 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 off the rocker theologically. So, so yeah, so that's a problem. And actually, a lot of these calls that you see within the church to to heavy governmental action is driven by an eschatological position that says, yeah, this is what's going to happen. So it's actually their eschatology that's driving their position, which is again scary and sad because that position is not biblical. So yes, there is a reality that Israel plays a major role, but here's the other side to it. Israel's still under judgment by God. Mm-hmm. They they hate God, the God of the Bible. They they hate Christ. They want nothing to do with Christ. And that's a major issue. So they have yet to turn to God. 
And they will, though. God has promised that that's going to happen. But it's not going to happen now. It's not going to happen until the great tribulation. And that's what God is going to use to turn them to him. And they're not going to turn until Christ is seen coming through the clouds and they look upon him whom they have pierced, as Isaiah 53 says. And as Zechariah 12 declared, it's at that point that repentance will come to Israel and it will change. But the Antichrist is going to have a lot of dealings with Israel and there's going to be this temporary peace and there's going to be all kinds of stuff that's going to go on. And so that that kind of muddies the water, and many Christians have this over-realized eschatology as it pertains to Israel. Israel's part of God's chosen people, the Jews are. Israel plays a paramount place in God's eternal plan. I'm not minimizing that at all. We're commanded to pray for the peace of Israel as we are commanded to pray for peace uh, uh, over all men. But we just have to be careful that we don't have, we don't have a view of Israel now as what it will be. It's not there. They're not there yet. Is God clearly moving and setting things into place? Absolutely. How can you? You can't deny that. Yeah. Is everything that's happened part of that? I'm not going to say that, right? I'm not, I don't know what God is doing. I'm going to assume that. But does Israel play a part? Of course, massive part. Is Israel going to be a main uh, a main player on the scene? Absolutely. Yes, he is. And so, will things be set up for that? Of course. But Israel's still under judgment now, and they will be until they repent and return. And so uh, we just, you got to be really careful because so many Christians have an inaccurate, incomplete, and immature eschatology that elevates Israel to a place now that it shouldn't be. And Israel needs to be seen for what they, they, they need the gospel. We need to evangelize them. They're under judgment, and they... And, and, and all who do not trust in Christ will go to hell. Mm. And that's the mission to Israel, not some sort of holding them up in some political place as, uh, uh, you know, greater than any other nation. They are God's chosen people by way of their nationality, of course, and there's a special place in that. We don't deny that. Yet they're still rejectors of Christ. They need the gospel more than they need our political help more than they need our political help. Mm-hmm. And that's what people forget. Yeah. Because there's many, like a John Hagee and people like that, that think Israel Israelites, Jews, will be saved just because they're just because they're ethnic Jews. No. No. They're gonna go to hell just like Is anybody. That what he believes? Oh, he's there's many people that have a whacked out view of Israel where they have this overinflated view because they're these people, they get a special standing. That's not what the Bible teaches, not at all. That's crazy. Yeah, so God God has a has a special electing purpose for Israel. That's Romans 9, 10 and 11, and that will come true. He will save Israel as he's promised. And and yet that we're not there. That's not what's going on here. And we need to be careful that we don't uh, minimize their sin, right? Mm-hmm. And what might happen through those people um, because of some over overrealized eschatology, and that's a that's a problem in the church. And you see that come out uh, all the time. And yes, Israel plays a part. Yes, Israel is a special people by way of the people of God, but they're no less sinners than anybody else. They need Christ, and they reject Christ. I mean, they've rejected him from the time they crucified him, and they still do. By, as a people group, right, as mm-hmm. a people. But many are being saved out of that, mm-hmm. as, like Paul and many others, right? right. And we're thankful for that. And uh, But uh, the Lord is going to use the Gentiles to make the Jews jealous and draw them unto himself, which is what Paul says. And and Paul, was uh, he prayed that he could be accursed, that he could be condemned to hell for the salvation of his people. 
uh, because they're so blinded. And uh, so, uh, yeah, so we just, you just have to be careful there. Mm-hmm. You have to be careful, and, and, and most people aren't uh, because they don't know their Bible and they don't know uh, eschatology and, and even biblical, uh, uh, biblical theology in the right sense. And, and what the Bible teaches about these things. So you just, yeah, you got to be, you got to be careful. Because um, what I was taught uh, in my um, <laughs> my former life, I would say, what I was taught was that once there is peace in Israel, the first, the second beast is going to reveal the first beast in some type of image or statue or something like that, and sure. that's when you know that Christ is going to come back. Well, yeah, there's, and we're going to talk, be talking about this in Mark 13. There's, and I cannot wait. <laughs> there's a number of things that happen, and there is a pseudo-peace that mm-hmm. comes to Israel, established ultimately by the Antichrist, mm-hmm. right? And so the Bible talks about that, which again, which again, if you understand what's being said, you have to be careful because it's a pseudo-peace, mm-hmm. right? And it's, again, it's a peace not for Christ. It's a peace not to worship Christ. Mm-hmm. It's a peace for them to continue their own idolatrous worship, which they're in now. And so... Anyway, um, you know, you just got to be careful and see these things correctly. And uh, the issue is the same. The issue hasn't stopped. The issue is the church to preach the gospel, spread the gospel, and do gospel ministry while not negating its place in community and, and local settings to support the government that God has given to help them uh, bring order and establish order and put as many Christians they can in there and all of those things. Those are all good things. That's I mean, that's what we do. That's what we want. We don't negate that, but we don't let that become the mission. That's not the mission. It's a result of the mission. It's a ramification of gospel. Every healthy church produces healthy Christians. Mm -hmm. Those healthy Christians permeate an unhealthy community and by attrition slowly establish a healthier community. Mm -hmm. That's just gospel ministry doing its work, and that's what we're called to do, whether it ultimately establishes a healthy community or not is not our it's, it's not our mission it's not our goal it's not our desire what's our desire is the healthy church so that the gospel can go forward god will do those other things and he will put into presidency who that's going to be there and the governors and all of that everybody's established that ultimately by god and we leave that up to him but back to the original thing that i think cannot be said enough government is ultimately directly tethered to order government is given for order to establish temporary relative order so that the gospel can go forward that's what we need that's what we go for so when you have presidents governors executives uh mayors who are unwilling to establish order you know right away biblically i can't support that Mm -hmm. because they're not doing what God has called them to do. So if you have adamantly people against law and order, you have people in politics and governmental positions who are fighting against God, who are going against what he has called them to be and to do. And so that right away starts to help you think through, okay, so who do I vote for? What do I do? That begins to help you. And so, yeah, having, having order and having structure and having clarity and bringing, bringing peace in those ways, that's part of what government is supposed to do. That's not it in its entirety, but that's a big part. And so, of course, that's a major issue right now. Mayors, major. governors, people, even, even 
candidates for our presidency who don't don't make a big deal of it. Mm-hmm. It's a massive deal. That's your job. Yeah. And so whether it's a Republican or a Democrat, it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. You pick the one who is closest, which is hard to do these days because most of them are all pagans, mm-hmm. right? But you pick the one who's who's going to do the best job according to what God has called him to do. Whether he knows that or not is beside the point. But you know what God's called him to do, and you evaluate him and say, yeah, protect life. So if somebody's part of a party platform that is all for murder, which is what the Democratic party platform is built upon Mm -hmm. abortion which is murder Mm -hmm. and god establishes really clearly that murder is evil and government is to protect against that Mm -hmm. and you have a party platform that says no 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 that's our biggest issue is protecting our right to kill you know right away i I can't do that Mm -hmm. i can't support that i can't put somebody in a position that's going to do that Mm -hmm. whether the other candidate is godly in his deportment or godly in his verbiage, if he's against that, already he's better than the other person. Yeah. Well, it's it's not framed as murder. It's framed as a woman's right yeah, it, yeah. and or uh, uh, what what's the other term that they use? Um, uh, health. To choose, to choose her own, yeah. Well, yeah, it's also... Uh, health care or whatever. Yeah, it's like health care and... Um, you know, one thing that I have noticed is that they, when I say they, I mean the world has learned how to, in a very good way, in good as in bad, but yeah. in a very strategic way, absolutely call things what they are not. Yeah. And doesn't the Bible say that he that calls evil good and good evil? Yeah. The wickedness of man. I mean, that's that's what man that comes out of his heart. Sugarcoat sin. Yeah, and cover it because because what we really look at is a lot of the terms that are being used. They're using these terms in a way that just says, "Well, that's not what that is. It's called this." You know, and where does that come from? Their heart. Yeah, but even even further back. What what is Satan? He's he's the master deceiver. True. He's the master liar. Did God really say? He he turns everything mm-hmm. around and calls it what it's not. Yeah. And so again, it's the father of lies. And when mm-hmm. you speak forth lies, you're speaking forth his native tongue. Yeah. And that's all that is. It's, yeah. it's the it's the philosophy of this world. It's it's first John two, do not love the world, the things of the world. That's what John is talking about because that's the prince of the power of the world. Mm-hmm. All that all that uh Kamala Harris, when she speaks forth that kind of that kind of rhetoric about protecting a woman's right and all that, all that is 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 literally the philosophy and the ideology of Satan just coming out of her tongue, mm-hmm. right? She she doesn't know she's doing that, mm-hmm. you know, purposely. She's just a handmaiden of his, right? That's mm-hmm. that's because she's embraced the world. Mm-hmm. That's what John means when he said, do not love the world. He's not talking about the globe in its materialistic sense by way of the matter, the DNA, the, the geography of the planet. He's talking about the philosophy, the thinking, the ideology. And uh, the, the, that is satanic, right? The satanic world system that's against God. Mm-hmm. Well, we're watching a government now begin to become consumed with worldly ideology, with mm-hmm. satanic worldliness as its primary means for existence. Yeah. And so we're slowly watching a government now, not slowly, it's rapidly over the last a uh, few uh, years and now over the last few months, I mean, it's on steroids that it's going completely away 
from what God designed it to be. Mm-hmm. It's going completely divergent from what his plan is, which is going to mean it's going to turn and go completely against what the church is, and you're it's setting it up for this massive uh, issue that's coming. And um, I pray it doesn't come, and I pray we get some politicians that will help stem the tide, but I think long-term it's it's going to continue and it's going to be sad. So. Yeah, because the, the whole argument of abolish the police, I don't really see that as an abolishment of the police. I see it as an abolishment of authority. No, it's exactly I, what it and is. And I see it as an abolishment of truth as well. Yes. You know, because if you have people like uh, us Christians who would say something is uh, th- that there is absolute truth. That was the first, that was kind of like the, f- the first argument. It's like, there's no such thing as absolute truth. Yep. And you keep going towards that. And then you get that, uh, what you, the terms you use earlier, the relative uh, subjectivity, yeah, relative subjectivity. So you just keep moving further and radical. further away, radical subjectivity. You keep moving, moving further and further away. Then it's very easy for you to say, well, you know, it's that you can't say that. And as a matter of fact, what you're now saying, that's actually hate speech. Oh yeah. So it's literally just this, slow turnaround yep. and turn it into hate speech and it's now like well you know if i say to you hey black man you're not oppressed or you know something to that effect or you know uh, racial uh, uh racial uh the, the whole systematic racism is is a myth that's actually hate speech yep. in a way and regardless of who says it because it's not there and I'm, I'm summing up the entire uh, podcast here you know because it's not their uh, experience then this ethnic uh this ethnic gnosticism that they are able to uh explain it's like well that's not your experience you know here it is this is my experience what you're now doing is giving me hate speech we don't ha- we don't have any room to talk in anymore yep um i think that for me the the, the the weirdest the weirdest thing that comes out of this is that there are so many people that don't want to have this type of conversation of course not and the reason would be one is that when you start to you know talk about the truth and the facts and you know not even pulling out the the uh the truth of 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 statistics bringing out the truth of scripture that's when people start to just literally run away like roaches when you turn on the light in and, the kitchen and again and again I, I i love because you're exactly right i love the clarity of the response because mm-hmm. that speaks volumes mm-hmm. why is the response the same anywhere you go across the globe we can have conversation about this. We can have we can t- a dialogue. But the minute we bring truth, objective, biblical truth into the equation, it's always antagonized, hated, rejected, mm-hmm. mocked. Why? Because, again, man hates God. He hates him mm-hmm. from birth. And anything that speaks to that, anything that speaks of ultimate authority in man's life, he will reject it. He'll run from it. He'll hate it. That's Romans 3. That's Romans 1. He suppresses the truth, ultimately to the point of hating the truth. And that's exactly what we see from Genesis 4 with Cain and Abel, and God himself goes to him and says, don't do this. This is what's going to happen. Don't do it. And he does it anyway. Why? Because he hated God. Mm -hmm. He didn't want God to tell him what to do. He wanted to do it himself. And that is in our hearts. We're born with it. And that's all we're seeing with this. And that's why nobody wants to talk about it, because they know in their heart, they know in their heart that, that 
that subjectivity is a joke. I mean, it's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Like, objectivity is life. Mm-hmm. Two plus two is four. It's not eight, mm-hmm. right? But yet, watch and see how it becomes eight. If somebody wants it to become eight, it'll become eight. And if you don't want it to become eight, then that is oppressive. Yes, and... because you don't understand why I want it to become eight. Right, right. And until you understand why I want it to become eight, <laughs> then you can't tell me it's wrong. Right. I mean, it's just ludicrous, but that's mm-hmm. where we're going. Yeah. And and uh, it will be, I've said it, CRT, which is all you're talking about, will mm-hmm. be the decimation of society. Global. Yeah. It, it, this is, I think it's all part of Satan's plan. It is, why do I say that? Because he's eroding, he's eroding by God's sovereign, no doubt, allowance. Mm-hmm. He's allowing Satan to do this. So God is sovereign. He can stop it at any moment. But he, Satan is eroding through the lies and the philosophies that he promotes. He's eroding one of God's pillars that holds up society and its authority and order. Mm-hmm. He's taking it out. Once you take out the idea of authority, it's authority that brings order. It's authority that brings order to the home. So because the black community has, on average, right, 80%, almost 80% of children born without a father, what does that eliminate in the home? Order. Order. Mm-hmm. Yes, a, a single mom can and often does bring order. And she needs to, to the best of her ability, but she cannot, she cannot replace that. It's impossible. Mm-hmm. And so that, 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 that pitiful situation then, and it's becoming a problem with whites as much as it is blacks. Yeah, now. I was going to say it's black yeah. and white. It's, yeah. it's a, it's a, it's, it doesn't matter what color you but, are. But the historical, undeniable, objective fact is mm-hmm. historically the biggest issue with the black community has been fatherlessness. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that's been, you know, decades in the making. Whites are now catching up to it because of, of various reasons. And so what, what, what does that do? You're, you're removing that authority of the father out and therefore bringing, taking out order. And what are you throwing in? Chaos and disorder. And that's why they turn to the streets, they turn to the gangs, they turn to the places they go, and disorder runs rampant. Well, what do you, that's already happened. Now you take the government. What are we, what are we watching? We're watching the government embrace the lies and all of this and with it now is the removal of authority the removal of order and you have this chaos we're seeing we'll now go to the church and what do you see in the modern church the removal of authority now you got women in positions they shouldn't be you got spineless pastors and elders in positions where they shouldn't be you got the congregation trying to rule the roost you got pastors letting people anybody do whatever they want to do what have you done you've removed the authority you removed the order You've got rid of the Bible, which is the ultimate authority, and now you have disorder. I mean, you just see it. It's just it's just being pulled apart at every level. So what's our response? Those of us are faithful. Trust the Lord, pray, preach the word, raise up our families, raise up godly men, preach the gospel, establish missionaries, plant the church, keep doing what God has called us to do. Because it's no different than what you see in the book of Acts, no different than what he called Paul and Timothy to do. Same kind of thing, just keeps going. We stay faithful. God will work. He's got a plan that I that I don't know all that he's doing, but he's told me what to do. He's told you what to do. We just do that no matter what's going on in society, and the Lord will work. That's a great way to end right there. That's good. Thank you all for tuning in today, and I uh, want to point you all also to our new website. I know on the drop uh, later it'll say something a little different, but it's Belcroft Bible. Uh, sorry bellcroft.org that's the new website take you right to our brand new website that we have as well 
and uh, you'll get some information on the church as well. Thank you all for tuning in. Please subscribe to the podcast uh, if you like it. And also, could you please share it with a friend if you have any questions? Uh, the number that you can actually call us at is 612-88-TRUTH and also email us at the Truth Talks Podcast at gmail.com. Thank you all for listening. And now here is the gospel of Jesus Christ. My name is Laura Clausen. I am a member of Belcroft Bible Church. Uh, this language is Lithuanian. Mėlyliotuvė Jeigu išpažinsite savo nuodėmes, jis ištikimas ir teisingas, ir jis jūsų atleis visas nuodėmes ir apvalys nuo visų nedorybių, tikėkite į Kristų ir būsite išgelbėti. The biblical gospel starts with God. Out of nothing, God made everything, including you and me, to bring himself much pleasure. His purpose for us as humanity was to love, obey, and enjoy Him perfectly. But instead of this, man has sinned against our loving Creator and acted in rebellion. Since God is good and just, He must punish sin that deserves eternal conscious punishment under God's wrath and hell. But God, being merciful, loving, and gracious, had a plan to punish sin and so be a just judge and yet for to yet to forgive sinners and so display mercy by sending his own son jesus christ the co-equal and co-eternal son of god to take on human flesh fulfilling his perfect requirements in the place of sinners loving obeying and enjoying him perfectly Furthermore, Jesus bore the full wrath of God upon the cross, and he satisfied the eternal anger of God, standing in the place of sinners, though he was himself perfectly sinless. God showed his acceptance of Christ's sacrifice by raising Jesus from the dead after three days in the grave. Now Jesus commands everyone everywhere to repent turn from their sins, and believe, trust in him. This is the gracious, glorious transaction. God then charges Christ's perfection to the sinner and no longer views him as an enemy, but instead an adopted sons and daughters covered in the perfect righteousness of his son. We can now have peace with God and have eternal life with him forever. It's true for every person, in every culture, in every place, and in every language, through all time. So our response to this good news is repentance and faith. Dear here, behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Turn from your sins. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, and this day be reconciled to God.
Thanks for tuning in to this. Please subscribe to the podcast and leave a comment. If you have a question, please send them to the Truth Talks Podcast at gmail.com. Visit our Instagram and Twitter at the Truth Talks Podcast and visit our website at bellcroftbiblechurch.org. Delighting in the word that we might walk in the truth. A ministry of Bellcroft Bible Church.